so excited because today we're starting a new series uh, called The Holy Spirit. John chapter 14 and 16, as you turn there, let me remind you a couple things. Uh, if you haven't signed up for 30 Serve uh, life groups or uh, live streams yet, uh, you can still do that. Hold on just a second. I'm losing a battle that I can't win. All right, let's try it again. And if you haven't been on to our new website, uh, we are making updates to it weekly, uh, but it's, it's about 90% done now. So you can go to kingwoodchurch.com. Uh, it, uh, it is formatted in responsive technology. So it'll reformat itself to whatever device you look at it on. So it takes the place for us of a mobile app and all of that. It'll, it functions as, as everything. So you can look at it on your uh, smartphone. If you have a pen and paper, I'd like you, or maybe your smartphone or whatever, I'd like you to take something out to take some notes today. Um, I always ask that, and the reason that I ask that is because you can take the things that we share in the sanctuary, you can take those, and you can use those as your devotions through the week, you can take them into deeper study, and, and the thing is, uh, I may be saying one thing, but have you ever had this happen? God will actually use someone to say something to you they didn't say. You ever had that happen? And so I just encourage you, whatever you're hearing, whatever you think God's saying to you, write that down and take that with you. You can use it to study yourself. And you may, you may the Holy Spirit may give you insights into scriptures that, that I don't have. And so I just want to encourage you to take those with you. John 14, uh, John 16. And I really want to read several passages this morning uh, to kind of set the stage. I don't think there's anywhere else we can go until we get the stage set with the scripture, and then, then we'll talk for a while. In this series, we're going to talk about uh, a lot of things about the Holy Spirit. So I want to encourage you, man, lock in with us these next few weeks and be here, be here every week. Uh, this series is critical. We're going to talk about uh, spirit baptism. We're going to talk about uh, why people are afraid of the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about a, a lot of practical things that, that I think you'll, as you hear, you'll say, man, that, that did my soul good. So John chapter 14, let's just look at some things that Jesus said about the Holy Spirit. When Jesus was about to leave earth, he had kind of his last corral with his disciples, and he called them together to tell them the things that were most important to him. And we're actually reading from, the, from that time period, John 14, 16, and 17. And I will ask the Father... And he will give you another, another advocate, uh, your translation may say uh, helper, comforter, to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you, listen to this, he lives with you and he will be in you. He lives with you, and he will be in you. Now, jump down in chapter 14 to verse 26. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, Jesus is talking, will teach you all things. How many things will the Holy Spirit teach you? Wow. Right? Can you believe what we're reading? He will teach you all things... And beyond that, he will remind you of everything that I said to you. So the Holy Spirit reminds us of Jesus' own words. John chapter 16, verse 7. But very truly I tell you, 
it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. That's one of the most profound verses about the Trinity, about the work of the Holy Spirit, about the New Testament error in the entire Bible. For Jesus to say, it's actually better for me not to be here. John 16, 12 and 13 is the last verses we'll read up front. I have much more to say to you. Listen to this. Can you imagine sitting across the table from Jesus and him saying this to you? I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. In other words, I could tell you, but it would crush you. You can't hold up under this. I got more to tell you, but you can't handle it. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. In other words, when he, I can't tell you you can't bear it, but the time will come you can, and when you can, he'll tell you. That's unbelievable. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. Now, the Greek word for the word advocate uh, is the word parakletos. And it, and it means helper or intercessor or consoler or comforter. So I want you to think about this in our context today. Who, who is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is the one who helps me to be a good husband. He helps me to be a good father. He helps me to be a good pastor. He helps me make decisions. He's the one that when I'm reading the Bible and the Scripture jumps off the page, he's the one that makes it jump off the page. He's the one who helps me, and he's the one that intercedes for me, and he's the one that intercedes through me, and he consoles me, and he comforts me. Now, a lot of your translations are going to say when you hear the Holy Spirit, uh, there's a verse in 1 Corinthians, I believe, chapter 7, the Comforter comforts us in all our troubles. You're familiar with that? A lot of times you hear the Holy Spirit referred to in the Bible, you'll hear the word comforter. And uh, it, it, I heard a story recently, and it reminded me of an event that uh, Stacy and I had when we were early in marriage. When we first got married, like many people when they first get married, you just don't have a lot of stuff. I think we, our first bed came from the thrift store, you know, and we painted it. And I don't remember where the mattress and box spring came from. And we had an old bedspread. And, and I, I can remember as we got along, we started to make a little more money. And Stacy came to me and said, I, I, want, a, I want another comforter for the bed. You don't want to get a comfort because this is, you know, ugly and worn out and all of that. And so I, I thought, that's no big deal. Sure, <laughs> you know, we've got enough money. You can go buy a bedspread. I, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't know that a comforter is something that you have to float a loan for. I mean, I didn't know it would be like $700,000. I thought, a comforter is not a big deal, right? And so she finds one, and we go, we go and look at it, and I think, man, this is just a cover. I, I, I didn't know about this, so, but I looked, okay, well, so we'll, we'll work it out. So we did, and we got it, and she wanted it, so we got it. And, and, uh, and I can remember when we took it home, I'm looking at that thing. You know in that big old see-through package they put it in? That you think, it's like pulling a life raft out of there. It pops out, you know, it's three times the size. You're never getting it back in. And so you get the thing home, and you, we get it on the bed, and we look at it, and I'm sitting there thinking, man, this is incredible. I, you know, I, look, I, I like to sleep, man. I mean, I enjoy being comfortable when I sleep. So I looked at that thing up there. I can't wait 
you know, until bedtime, I'm going to climb up under that thing, and it was fluffy. It looked like you could just kind of levitate on it. You know what I'm saying? Like you wouldn't even really touch the ground. And I thought, man, I can't wait till, till bedtime. I'm going to get on that thing. And I, I went in the bedroom that night, and it was gone. And that old nasty thing was back there. And I said, where'd the comforter go that we bought? Why, why can't I use it? And she said, it's not to use, it's for looks. Any of you guys have this? And I said, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I, look, we grew up poor. We didn't have anything for looks. We used everything we had. So what do you mean it's for looks? And, and I came to find out there were a lot of things around my house that were for looks. I got towels in my bathroom you can use and I can't use. They're for looks. You know what I'm saying? Some of y'all getting set free. I, I remember going to the bathroom one time and drying my hands off on a towel on the thing. And, and, and stay, I left, and then she came and tracked me down later. She said, did you use the towel on the rack? <laughs> well, yes. She said, what were you thinking? I said, my hands were wet. <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking. Was I not supposed to do that? She said, what were you thinking? I said, I'm as surprised as you are. I don't know what happened. My hands were wet, and I turned around. There it was, so I just wrung them off. She said, you don't use ice. I'm sorry. I'll use paper towels or toilet paper or something from now on. I don't know what I'm supposed to use. I couldn't figure it out. And then I got plates in my house that I can't use, but you can use. I got glasses and coffee cups in my house. I'm not allowed to drink out of, but if you come over, you can. You know what I'm saying? I learned there's a lot of stuff in my house that's not for use. It's for looks. And we went to back to that old nasty comforter. But that new one was there. It just wasn't for use, it was for looks. And it just made me wonder, I wonder how many believers have a comforter that is for looks, but it's not for use. How many of us who say the Holy Spirit is part of the Trinity... The scripture says to us, we have a comforter. And we say, yes, we have a comforter, but he's for looks, he's not for use. How much is the comforter helping you today? The answer is, as much as you'll let him. So if you have a pen, I want to give you a few thoughts from scripture on who the Holy Spirit is. Here's the first thought, and we've already said it. The Holy Spirit is my helper. If you go back into John, in those verses we read, Jesus says, uh, Verily, I, I tell you the truth. In other words, hey, I, I find it astonishing that Jesus says to his disciples at the end of his time, after three years of walking with them, I promise I'm not lying to you. Well, you're the way, the truth, and the life. <laughs> I promise you I'm not lying to you. I'm telling you the truth. I find it astonishing that he would even start the sentence that way. It's better for the church that I'm not here and that the comforter is. Can you believe what you're hearing? And what realm of your imagination could you possibly think that not having Jesus somewhere would be better? That we'd be better off without him? 
It's better for the Holy Spirit to be here than Jesus walking around physically, teaching, doing miracles, raising the dead, confronting darkness. It's better for the Holy Spirit to be here than Jesus to be here doing that. Can you imagine if Jesus lived in Shelby County? If he was walking around town, talking to people, doing miracles, healing the sick, teaching Jesus is saying, I'm telling you the truth. It's better for the Holy Spirit to be here than for me to be here in Shelby County today doing that. That's unbelievable. It's better. Why is it better for us to have the Holy Spirit than Jesus in person? The Holy Spirit is our helper. We need him. We need his presence. We need his conviction. We need his guidance. We need his help. He's our helper. Let me tell you one of the ways that I learned that. Uh, early in ministry. In our youth ministry when we were in Florida, uh, we were going to do an outreach into the community and have this big blowout and have a bunch of teenagers invited. And so we planned it and, you know, we planned hard. We worked hard. We set everything up. I got the uh, best message I knew how to, to teach about, uh, to share the gospel with. We invited. We did everything we could do. And, and, and the truth is, we got down to the time where the gospel is shared and there's an open opportunity for people to respond. And I'm going to tell you, in attendance, the event was a huge success. In changing lives, it was a failure. There were not many people's lives changed that night. And, and I, I, I wondered, what, what's, what's the difference? What's the deal? What's I mean, I'm, I'm using the Bible. It's not like I'm using the, the, uh, the Koran or I'm not using a fortune cookie message here. I'm using God's Word. And, and I've got the good news. And, and people, I'll share it and people will receive it. And the only problem is that assumes that we're doing ministry in a vacuum, that there's no other forces at play. I learned that night not to do that again that way. So since I have a, a fix-it personality, I decided the next time doggone it, we're going to fix this. So I called a prayer lock in. <laughs> Praying an hour is not going to cut it. We're going to pray all night. So we called a prayer lock in, and I told the teenager, you're going to be miserable, and you're going to hate it, and we're not playing any games, and we're not going to do anything fun, and you're going to pray your guts out all night. Who's in? And we had 60 kids show up for a prayer lock in. I'm telling you, that's the way I promoted it. We had 60 kids. We did have some fun. But we had 60 kids signed up, showed up, and we prayed that night. And, and that was about half our youth group at the time. And we took our yearbook from the local schools, and we literally prayed for every teenager in our city by name and face through middle school yearbooks, through high school yearbooks, we prayed for thousands of kids that night. And I said, the Holy Spirit, you're going to come to a person's face, you're going to come to their name, and the Holy Spirit, something's going to pop in your mind to pray for that person that you didn't pray for anybody else in that book, but God's going to lead you. You pray. And we prayed for everybody in that entire city. We prayed for the Holy Spirit to touch, to convince. We prayed that God would, would baptize us in His Spirit. We prayed that God would break our heart for our city. 
We repented for our generation. We asked God to give us a vision of the lost. We asked God to break our apathy. We prayed for every youth ministry in that city. We prayed for workers for the harvest field. We took names of people who teenagers said, I'm going to invite this person. And we plastered them on post in the room, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of names. And we prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. That outreach was totally different. I'll never forget We blew it out. We had the best service. We did the best thing we could. I shared the gospel the best way I knew how, but that was part of it. This time, the helper was there. He was working on people's lives in a powerful way, and when I opened the door for people to respond, it was like teenagers stood to their feet and ran to the front. It was unbelievable. It was The only way I knew how to describe it is it it was like a dam broke. Whoa! And a river blew through. We did another outreach like that the next year. And the next one that we did, we rented the local high school auditorium. We had 700 teenagers there that night. And we did a prayer lock-in the night, the weekend before, just like we did. And we prayed and we prayed and we prayed and we prayed. And we asked the Holy Spirit to work. And we asked the Holy Spirit to do what only He can do. And we depended on Him and we invited the Helper to come and help because we needed it. And I, I went back and looked this week. When we left that night, our prayer team prayed and recorded the names and addresses of teenagers who received Christ that night. It was 15 pages of typed names and addresses. You could get, you could print off a computer, 15 pages of kids that received Jesus that night. Because the helper was there. I want to tell you something. You and I cannot touch this city without the helper. We can't be the church we should be without his help. You can't be the husband or the wife or the parents or the, or, or the father or the mother without his help. You can't lead your business like you need to lead it without his help. You can't be a good employee like you need to be without his help. You can't function in this world. You can't be the kind of friend that you need to be without his help. What I'm saying to you this morning is we need the helper. I don't want to have a helper that's just for show. We, we need that. Jesus said it's better for you that the Holy Spirit was here. Who's the Holy Spirit? He's our helper. Here's the second one. The Holy Spirit is not only my helper, the Holy Spirit's my friend. Now, I want to read uh, 2 Corinthians 13, 14 out of the message. Uh, and I'll tell you what other translations say. But it picks up some language that I think is profound. 2 Corinthians 13, 14. The amazing grace of the Master, Jesus Christ, the extravagant love of God, the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. If you read that out of NIV, it would say, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. The message says, the friendship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. I want to say this to you this morning. The Holy Spirit is my friend, and he's not weird. He's not weird. I, I, I have become bothered. I've become grieved and bothered as I've watched what's happened in America, and I've watched the, uh, the common opinion form and change on the person and work of the Holy Spirit. I'm bothered by the reputation that Satan has attached to the Holy Spirit that he's somehow weird. 
And if you go to a church that acknowledges the person of the Holy Spirit, then you're weird and that church is weird and y'all do weird things in there and we're going to go over here to the normal church. And he's caused us to be skeptical. Listen to this. He's caused us to be skeptical and he's caused us to be scared of the agent who is our helper, the Bible says, and who is our friend. Now, isn't that amazing? Isn't that an amazing trick to play? That if he could somehow make the body of Jesus skeptical and afraid of the Holy Spirit, what damage could he do to us? He's the only one that can empower us to live the Christian life. He's the only one that can make it, help us make an impact on the world around us. And Satan has made up rumors about him and said, if you yield to him fully, he'll make you run around and act crazy and make a fool of yourself. That's what he's told us. If you yield to him fully, that's what he's going to do to you. So don't yield to him fully. I, I, I mean this with all respect, but I want to say it seriously and I want to say it sternly. It's not the Holy Spirit that's weird. It's people that are weird. People are weird. People are insecure and people are broken and people are immature. And sometimes they do things that bring attention to themselves and then they blame the Holy Spirit. And Satan comes in, and he posts that on Twitter. And he sends it out, and he gets everybody believing that the Holy Spirit's somehow weird. That's not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's the one who ministers through us, and I'm tired of people blaming weirdness on the Holy Spirit. Because of, of that, we kind of feel like, because that reputation exists out there, we sort of feel like, even as kind of 21st century you know, younger generation people, that we have somehow have to balance the work of the Holy Spirit. Listen to what I just said. We have to balance the work of the Holy Spirit like God needs help. We have to balance the work of the Holy Spirit, and we have to take him in small doses. I'm telling you, the, enemy, the enemy's tricked us. We don't need small doses of God. We need full doses. We need the full expression. We need everything he has. So we've been tricked into staying reserved and uninvolved because of the reputation the enemy has tattooed on the work of the Holy Spirit. I want to assure you of something this morning. And, 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 I, and, and I can stand on the scriptures. I say this. Any fear you have in your heart about the Holy Spirit is not from God. It's from the enemy. He is the most kind and he is the most sensitive and he is the most gentle, and he is the most wonderful person I know. And I have a relationship with him. And I'm telling you, he's not those weird things. He's not out to embarrass you. He wants to empower you. He doesn't get joy in making a fool out of you. He gets joy out of watching your life explode in, in Christian fruit, in Christ-like character, Christ-like activity, Christ-like action, Christ-like servanthood, Christ-like development. He gets deep joy out of that. He's not too weird for Shelby County, Alabama. He's not. The only way we're going to touch this county is by the power of the Holy Spirit. Who do you think lied to us about the Holy Spirit? Who do you think told us these things? He doesn't make you act weird or talk weird or, or walk weird or dress weird. 
He he doesn't make you put on too much makeup, and he doesn't make you color your hair purple. He doesn't do that. By the way, he also doesn't make you put your hair up in a bun and wear winter clothes in August in Alabama. (laughs) He doesn't do any of that, right? And, And if you need makeup, you're not putting it on. Don't blame it on him. Put it on. The Holy Spirit doesn't cause any of that, I'm telling you. The enemy has tricked us. I'm telling you, it's funny, but I'm telling you the truth. He's tricked us. He's a great person. He's a phenomenal person. And he's a friend. And I'm bothered by people blaming stuff on him, and it's caused the church to reject the power that we need. Think about it. When spirit baptism was returned to the church in the early 20th century, The enemy, I think, decided there, I've got to mess this up because the last time that this got going, the whole world got changed. Now, who who do you think lied to us? Listen to me. Everywhere in the world that the church is expanding and growing and ministering life today, there is a huge emphasis on spirit baptism and the work of the Holy Spirit. I guarantee it. I've talked to the missionaries. I've talked to people who live in other countries. I've talked to people who live in other continents. I've talked to pastors who've pastored their whole life in other regions of the world. And I'm telling you, that's the truth. Who do you think's tricked us? Who do you think has said sophistication is what we need? The enemy has been very effective at attaching the stigma to the work of the Holy Spirit that's not found in Scripture anywhere. In Scripture, the work of the Spirit drew people. The work of the Spirit attracted people. It did not repel them. If the way that we're representing the Holy Spirit chases most people off, we're doing it wrong. We're not doing it right. And we got to face up to that. In January, we had, uh, as we have for years, we had a 21-day time of fasting and prayer. And one of the nights during that uh, time, we had a service where we would come and pray for healing and freedom, for people to be healed of whatever whatever inner, inner or outer brokenness or sickness. They had freedom from any kind of addictions or bondages or, or anything else. And I must have prayed for 100 people that night. And, and as we were praying, I asked the Holy Spirit before we prayed, I said, Lord, I don't know what to pray. And some of these people are going to come through here so fast, I, 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 won't be able to, I won't know what to say or I don't know everybody. I don't know what to do, so Lord, I need your help. Tonight when we pray, Lord, help me to know, help, just guide me, help me to know what to pray. Give me discernment. Give me wisdom. Use me. Put the words in my mind. Help me to know what to pray. I got a Facebook message from a lady that week after that night. Here's what she told me. She told me that at the beginning of this fast, she had written in front of her fasting journal three specific prayers that she was going to pray for herself during the fast that year. This was in January, eight months ago. She said she was going to pray for healing from brokenness, for restoration, and to not live in constant fear. And she said, I don't know if you prayed the same thing for everybody that came through or not, but she said, when I came through and you prayed for me, you prayed those three things in the same order that I had written them down in my journal two weeks before. 
And I replied to her and I said, I, I, don't, I don't remember praying that for anybody else. It's just what, what I felt like the Holy Spirit wanted me to pray when you came by. And she said, when the prayer was over, she knew that God had delivered her from 41 years of fear and bondage. And she said, I know I have a long way to go, but I'm thankful, for, listen to this, for the constant confirmation that God is listening. The Holy Spirit is not weird. He loves people. He loves people. He loves people. He loves people. And he's your friend. And if he's weird, it's because we've, we've acted weird. He doesn't act weird. The Holy Spirit loves people. He wants to guide. He wants to heal. He wants to teach. He wants to empower. He's my helper, and he's my friend. Now, here's the last one. The Holy Spirit's my God. The Holy Spirit's my God. I think there needs to be a renewed respect and awe for the Holy Spirit. The Father is God. The Son is God. And the Holy Spirit is God. The Father is God, the Son is God, and the Holy Spirit is God. We need to stop thinking that the presence and work of the Holy Spirit is somehow optional or it's a nice addition. The Holy Spirit's God. So if He's God, He's not a nice addition. He's not a good add-on. He's not like, you know, uh, having satellite radio in the new car you bought. He's like having the car at all. He's God. He's the one who speaks to us. He's the one who guides us. Acts chapter 5, 3 and 4, it's a whole big story I'm not going to give you. But what I do want to do is make a point from these two verses. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart, watch this, that you have lied to the Holy Spirit? Look at that. That you have lied to who? You've lied to the Holy Spirit. That's a big story. Forget the story for a minute. Look at, look at the person of God in this story. And have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land. Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied just to human beings, but to who? To God. Who's the Holy Spirit? God. He, Ananias lied to the Holy Spirit, and the Apostle Peter says, you lied to God. The Holy Spirit's God. The Bible calls the Holy Spirit God. I, I think believers sometimes get off on tangents, and I want you to hear this, because they don't have a close relationship with the Holy Spirit. I don't think it's the Holy Spirit that causes the tangent. I think it's the distance from the Holy Spirit that causes the tangent. Maybe they've adopted language. Maybe they've adopted something they saw on TV. Maybe they've adopted something they've seen someone else do or say. But I don't think the Holy Spirit causes that. I think it's a, a distance. A close relationship with the Holy Spirit will keep you focused. Focused on what? Watch this. Jesus. That's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit came and he never spoke about himself. He just always said Jesus is the one. That's the Holy Spirit's work. That's the Holy Spirit's job. He focuses on Jesus. And the closer you are to the Holy Spirit, the sharper your focus will be on Jesus. That's what he comes to do. You, you got people who, they get off on a tangent. I think it's, it's the relationship issue. They get off on a tangent. They only want you to teach on one thing. 
You know, when are you going to teach on the rapture? When are you going to teach every time you see them? When are you going to talk about this? When are you going to teach on this? Or you got people who, who think that their ministry is the most important ministry or the only ministry in the church. Uh, there's all kind of tangents. Or you, you have people that just want to study one book or they want to sing one song or they want to sing one style. But they're all kind of tangents. People I know get on tangents on making money. They get on that tangent, and that's what their life's all about is how much money can I make and how much rich, rich can I get and when's the next deal. Or people get off on a tangent on sports or they get on a hobby or they get on work. Or some people are on a tangent about their own family. The whole world revolves around me and my family. And they just get one thing stuck in their mind, and that's what life is all about. And the next thing you know, they're out of church, and pretty soon their whole life is changed because they lost focus on Jesus. Being on a tangent is the result of not having a close relationship with the Holy Spirit. Because when you have the close relationship with the Holy Spirit, what did he say? I will teach you all things. So if you're looking like this... You're walking too far away. You've got to get closer. He's our helper, he's our friend, and he's our God. The Holy Spirit is like a, um, a pilot on a boat. When, when a ship comes in from the ocean and it goes to enter into a canal, the ship will park right at the mouth of that canal and they'll get a riverboat pilot They'll take a little boat and come over and get them on the big boat. And the riverboat pilot will stand right behind the captain. Because there's nobody that knows more about that river than that riverboat pilot. And he'll stand right behind that captain. And this is very important that you hear this. He won't make decisions about where the boat goes. He'll make suggestions because if the boat runs aground, it's the captain's fault. It's not the riverboat pilot's fault. But the riverboat pilot, because he knows the river better than anybody, he'll say, I suggest that you turn 10 degrees starboard. I suggest that you go 500 yards and then you, you turn 20 degrees port. I, I suggest that you make this decision. That's how the Holy Spirit works. He won't, he won't muscle you and push you out of the way and grab the driver's wheel and take over. But he'll stand behind you and he'll say, I suggest that, that you don't say that. Or I suggest that you say this. Or I suggest that you connect to Christ's body in a life group. Or, or I suggest that you read your Bible, or I suggest that you meet me in prayer, or, or I suggest that you grow, invest in your own spiritual growth and, and, and follow the church with life streams. I suggest, I have people, we've been, we've been thinking about that for weeks. I don't know why we hadn't done it. Who do you think caused you to think about it? It's the riverboat pilot. I suggest that you pray about that first. And boy, how many times do we not? And we go, why didn't I pray about that first? And he goes, you got the wheel. I'm just the riverboat pilot. And that's how the Holy Spirit works in our life. He's our helper, and he's our friend, and he's our God. I'm going to ask our worship team to come. And I, I, I was trying to think, Lord, how would we... How do you respond to what you've heard today? I think the way to respond 
is for us to repent. I think we need to repent. And when we've gone off and made plans for our life without listening to the suggestion of the riverboat captain, the pilot, I think when we've decided that we'll do this or we'll do that or we'll do the other, I think when we've tried to do life in the strength of our own power, never even asking God for what He wanted, I, I think we need to repent of our fear. How can you, how can you be afraid of God? He's our helper. He's our friend. This is what the Bible says about him. I don't know what TV says about him, and I don't know what your relative who went to a church and had a bad experience one time said about him. I don't know about that. What I know is what the Bible says. And the Bible says he's our helper, and he's our friend, and he's God. And any fear that we have about him didn't come from him. And I think this morning we need to repent and say, God, I I want you to forgive me for being afraid of you. Lord, I repent today for not obeying the little whispers that you, suggestions you would make over my shoulder. Lord, I want to repent for not honoring you as God. I want to, I want to ask you to be my helper and to be my friend. So here, here's how we'll end today. If you'd stand with me, and I want to ask the uh, prayer team if you'd go ahead and come. Here's what we're going to do. I'm just going to lead us in a prayer, and then we're going to sing this song through once and after that I'm going to ask you I'm going to ask you if you need prayer to come that's it prayer team I, I want you to just do what, do what I did in January at the fast I want you just to ask the Holy Spirit to help you to know what to say and what to pray and he will because he said he's our comforter and our friend he wants to comfort. He wants to be a friend. He wants to guide. He wants to lead. He wants to teach. He wants to empower you. He wants to lead you to freedom. He wants to lead you to wholeness. Would you just close your eyes with me this morning? And wherever you're at in this building, on the stage, prayer team, standing there in the pew, I want you just to pray with me, and I want you to begin to, if you, if you feel that, I want you to begin to repent. Say, Lord, I'm sorry today any fear that I've had about you. Lord, I pray that you'd forgive me. I turn away today from any fear that I've had about you. Any fear that I've had about you, any fear that I've had about your work, any, any uh, bad publicity that I've taken in and believed about you. Lord, I don't want to have any sources of information about you except from you and your word. Lord, I want to believe what you are. I want to know who you are. I want to know what you want. Lord, I want to know your will. Lord, I pray today that you'd forgive me for ignoring the whisper of the Holy Spirit, for ignoring your voice, for ignoring those promptings, for ignoring those moments, Lord, when you led me away and I, I turned the ship the other way. Lord, I, I repent and I turn away from that today. God, I repent for not honoring you as God, as if the Father and the Son are God, but you're somehow a, 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 a lower class creature. Lord, I pray that you'd forgive us for that. Lord, I ask you today, I ask you today to be my helper. I ask you to be my friend. Come on, just ask him. Lord, I ask you to be my comforter. I ask you to be